Well, good morning and welcome, my friends, to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope you're having an absolutely fantastically blessed day today. It's a great Friday today, and I will be on the show running solo. I've got a lot of good articles for you, and I will also be on the Hagman Report tonight. I have not been on that show for a while. Our schedule with Doug has not been able to uh, coincide together, but we were, are able to work it together tonight. And so we got a really good show worked out for you. Got a lot of different topics we're going to be covering, some of the stuff we're covering today. And uh, be sure to check it out. I always enjoyed being on Doug's show with him. We're going to be going into detail on a lot of different topics. So be sure to check that out. Also, too, if you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com, the website, 1-800-726-1834. If you need anything at all, feel free to give us a call. Steve's one of the primary guys on the phone, and he'll be happy to help you out and answer any nutritional questions and help you get lined up on a proper supplement plan. And that's what we're here for, my friends. Where our phone number, we actually pick up. I don't put you through 50 different prompts and then transfer you to India to have somebody tell you that they can't understand you and you can't understand them. I don't do that. We're here in Central Florida, always have been, always probably will be for a while unless we have to move out of the state due to you know, various situations that are occurring with the political climate But for the foreseeable future. We're here to stay as we have been for over 40 years. So thank you for your support of the show and thank you for your support of healthmasters.com. Be sure to check out the vitamin C excellency on sale ending this weekend. 30% off massive winter immunity sale to keep everybody's immune system boosted. Gonna have a lot of different specials coming in next week, so be sure to keep an eye out for those along with a cortisol buster that is currently product of the week. Great product, helps out with healthy cortisol levels, supports relaxation and restful sleep, can also help out with stress and anxiety. Very, very awesome product. I encourage you to check it out if you're dealing with any of those things right now. And be sure to vote for what you want to see win next week on Product of the Week. It appears the EyeSight is already starting to pull ahead very strong. If you guys know our EyeSight Ocula formula, is very, very effective product. Helps out with overall EyeSight, macula, retina, and lens from oxidative damage. Great product, but of course, there are a bunch of other good products on there like the benfotiamine, also the total rest, memory support. So vote for what you want to see when on the website at healthmasters.com. And first thing I wanted to bring up here is I saw an article from Rand Paul, and he was discussing how the Republicans have emasculated themselves by agreeing to this major monster spending bill to fund the government through most of 2023. The House is expected to vote on the measure, apparently, and uh, they are saying that they are going to pass it. And what's interesting is he said that the Republicans are putting up no aspect of resistance in this giant bloated bill, including almost 40 billion dollars going to Ukraine. This will top out the, I uh, think, cap that we already are of around 60. This will push us over $100 billion in direct funding to a country that we're not even in NATO with, and we have no significant reason to protect them over $100 billion in less than a year. Guys, that is a tenth of a trillion dollars to a country that's smaller than Texas. Put that in perspective for a second. Think about if the United States gave $100 billion in grant money to Texas because they were in the middle of a conflict of a border skirmish with Mexico. I mean, and Texas kept saying, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. We need $100 billion in military aid, and you got to take care of our infrastructure, and you have to feed us, and you have to take care of us. 
Well, that would be fairly reasonable considering the fact the United States is a state of, you know, in the Union of the United States of America. But what if all of a sudden, you know, we started having Russia fund Texas a hundred billion dollars because we're they were in a skirmish with, you know, Oklahoma and other states in the country and the federal government. And all of a sudden Russia was directly funding Texas in a conflict between Texas and the United States. Hmm. Be a little bit different story, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be why is Russia interfering with Ukraine and the United States? Why is Russia giving a hundred billion dollars in weapon systems to Texas to fight the United States? Kind of changes the story, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly what we're doing right now. And so it's ironic to me that you still have the morons around that are still arguing for this to continue to go on while at the same time we're having record inflation, while at the same time we're having record inflation rates as far as with this inflation along with interest rates. And so you're having the stagflation starting to occur now where stuff is still getting more expensive, but yet everything is becoming more difficult to acquire because the interest rates are going up on everything. I talked to a friend of mine yesterday, and he was looking at getting a new Tahoe because a lot of the new Tahoes have now been coming in. The dealerships have been getting them in now after a year, year and a half of order. And uh, he went to look at financing one. I think the sticker on it was pretty loaded out. I think it was around like 70000 for this new loaded out Tahoe. And he was going to put a chunk of money down on it, and he has like an 810 Beacon score. I mean, great credit, fantastic credit. Has built it for years. And they came back, and they said, well, the best, best, very best interest rate we can give you right now is 7%. That's the best you're going to get. He goes, 7%. He goes, I'm going to be paying like $300, $350 a month just in interest on this. you know. And they said, well, that's that's the best you're going to get right now. They said a lot of the notes coming in where people are trying to buy stuff, they're at 8 and 9% interest. And they said, with well, the Fed raising rates again, they said they're probably going to be seeing 10% interest rates pretty soon with good credit. We're talking you know, $650, $700. You're going to be getting hit with a 10% interest rate if you try and buy a new car. And the issue with that is – is for example, say you buy a fifty thousand dollar truck, nothing crazy. I mean, that's a, that's an average price vehicle nowadays, so to speak, forty fifty thousand dollars. Within the first year, depending on what your payment structure is, you're going to pay close to five thousand dollars a month in interest. You're paying like four hundred dollars a month in interest on a fifty thousand dollar truck. Now, you can do the math on that real fast and realize you're going to price a lot of people out of the market. Nobody's going to be able to afford that, not to mention you're going to be making obscene monies for the bankers. The bankers poised to win every time. It's a rigged game. They know what they're doing. That's why you have to figure out how to operate outside of the system the best you can once you start understanding what's going on or set goals in place to get yourself out of debt the best you can. And I know it can be very difficult sometimes, and that's why I've talked to some people before. I said you can talk to a credit counselor. Maybe best option for you to file Chapter 7. I know a lot of friends that I've had that have filed Chapter 7. They've gotten a lot of debt issues, and they've talked to me about it. I said, it's up to you. I'm not giving you any financial advice, but if you've got a serious problem and you can't pay any of your bills and you're hopelessly in debt, you know, talk to a credit counselor about that. And this is what they've done intentionally with the, um, with the college loans, with the student loans. They made sure back in the 90s you could not default on them. You could not essentially you know, uh, Section uh, 7 as far as file Chapter 7 on them. Because they wanted to make sure the children, the teenagers, the young adults were going to be hopelessly in debt with these notes that they took on that they didn't know anything about. And, you know, it's funny to me. (laughs) I was watching this article again the other day. They were talking about how the student loans and how these kids didn't know what they were getting into. And they were 18, 19, 20, 21 signing these notes, and they really weren't responsible enough, and they didn't know what they were doing, and they need to have their loans forgiven. And 
part of that, I think a lot of the predatory lending and the easy money from the college, you know, basically college loans are completely and totally predatory. And a lot of it should be much more controlled than it is instead of just handing these kids thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a semester for tuition at some of these private schools. I do. I think that's absolute usury because a lot of these banks know these kids are on the hook for the rest of their life. But on the other hand, too, I'm listening to this argument, right? And a lot of this argument is coming from hardcore leftist liberals who are also pro-tranny grooming for young children, okay? And my, the topic comes up here is, okay, so if you're saying that an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old isn't mentally feasible enough, isn't mentally acute enough to know what they're getting involved in by signing signature loans and getting you know, just what they are, the signature loans. You're putting your name on it. They're handing you money, signature loans. Then how are we sitting here justifying that 12 and 13-year-olds are mentally acute enough to start going on injections of hormones and testosterone replacement therapy for girls and start going under gender mutilation surgery. I watched some of the articles, some of the videos, shocking video um, that I've seen on a couple different platforms where there's actual um, uh, Democratic politicians that are blatantly talking about the fact that they need to go in now and that children should have the ability to make their own decision on a lot of this stuff. And one of them was uh, Representative Katie Porter, hardcore Democrat. She's an anti-LGBTQ violence and helping to help young children get the gender-affirming care they need. And these people are nauseating to me because they're, they're blatantly sitting there with a straight face saying – these kids need to have access to counseling to people who care, and these kids need to know that people care to take care of them. And of course, you had the pedophile Joe Biden yesterday or two days ago get on and do his giant speech saying that these children need to know that there's people out there that want to protect them, and they know they're loved, and these children can speak for themselves, and doctors need to, need to be able to have gender-reaffirming care that they can give them. And I'm sitting there shaking my head just going – what kind of twilight show clown world have we walked into right now? If children are being thought – if they're thinking this and they're continually wanting to engage in this, it's because they're intentionally being directed in this. My entire undergraduate program that I majored in was psychology. One of the primary things I worked with was child psychology and marriage and family. I actually worked in different clinical trials. I did different studies. One thing you will find in the continual debate with nature versus nurture is that children in a lot of cases are a product of what they're continually exposed to. If you take a young child, five, six, seven, eight years old, and you put them in front of a television every day and you allow them to play extremely violent graphic video games for six to eight hours every day for years on end, their aggression and their violence and their behavior is going to be very aggressive as they get older, no doubt about it. Now, there's certain aspects of nurture as far as what's in their genetic behavior pattern depending on their personality that may change certain things as they get older. But what they're continually exposed to, they're going to emulate. That's why it is extremely important to have a healthy balance with children. People have asked me before. They said, why, why do you have your six-year-old son in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, in jiu-jitsu shoot fighting and you know, combatant and defensive and offensive striking and blocks? And I said, well, because it's very important that a child knows how to defend themselves. Period. I said, do I think it's healthy to put a child in front of a violent video game set for six to eight hours a day and then send them to combatant training and jujitsu training for three to four hours every single night, immersing them in pretty much straight violence majority of the week? No, that's not a healthy aspect at all. 
you have to make sure those childs, those children know that they're loved and they're cared for and they have biblical values and they have ethics and morals. But it has to be a healthy balance all across the spectrum. You know, Hunter trains one hour on Tuesday and one hour on Thursday with jiu-jitsu and combatant training. And he's getting very, very effective at it. But yet he's still a very, very respectful young boy, and he will continue to be that way as I grow. I raise him up, and I grow him in the ways of Christ as far as learning morals and ethics and Bible verses and going to church. What you're seeing right now are children simply emulating what they're being indoctrinated through the school systems primarily and through the music industry and through the YouTube and other video industry. If you take a child and you watch them and they watch movies, they watch Jurassic Park or they watch Iron Man, you'll see them start to emulate that behavior. It's very clear. I've seen it dozens of times with all kinds of different children. I worked on it in childhood psychology. Children will emulate what they watch. That's a very simple fact. Movies put them in a mind state that they're continually engaged and they think it's real. Children do not have a filter going in or going out. What you tell them, they believe. What they say, most of the time, they believe. And they'll say anything. That's, that's why I say the old show, kids say the darndest things. Kids just randomly say stuff. And a lot of times it's really funny because they have no filter. Same thing is coming in. They have no filter. So if you start taking a child at five, six, seven, eight years old, and you start saying, hey, little Billy, do you want to be a girl? Do you want to dress like a girl? Do you want to act like a girl? Do you want to wear makeup like a girl? Do you want to do it, Billy? Do you want to do it? It's really cool. Here's a bunch of videos, Billy. Here's a bunch of books, Billy. Here's a bunch of YouTube videos, Billy. Here's a bunch of music, Billy. You can look at all this stuff, Billy, and continue to pretend why you're a girl. Well, if you indoctrinate that kid enough, you know what he's going to start emulating? He's going to start emulating a girl. And it's not because he wants to necessarily be a girl. It's because he's emulating what he's being continually exposed to. The same concept goes when you see cops and robbers. They watch a movie with bad guys and good guys, and all of a sudden, I'm the good guy, and they're chasing around the yard you know, with Nerf guns or tackling each other. It's because they're emulating what they've seen or what they've been reading or what they've been watching. Now, the thing about it is, and here's my argument to all this. So these individuals are saying that children ages 12 and 13, which she blatantly said she was asking a congressional hearing, this Democratic hardcore – excuse my language on this, but pedophile sympathizer. And she blatantly says that her name was Jesse Pollock. She is the Inside and Out Youth Services and Advocate Organization CEO and Executive Director, Jesse uh, Pocock, excuse me. And I mean, she looks like this just rubber-faced mongol. She, I mean, what she's saying, how she's smiling, how gleeful she is, talking about how exciting it is for these children to be able to go have gender-affirming care. And one of the Senate leaders asked her, he goes, well, what do you think is the age of consent without parental consent for the childhood consent to go start getting gender-affirming care that you so eloquently put it? She goes, 12 years old. 12 years old, truly believes 12-year-olds have the cognitive, rational thought that they need to go start getting gender therapy care, which means they start getting hormone injections and puberty blockers and testosterone injections and estrogen injections, and they can go start having gender mutilation surgery done as teenagers. That's literally what she said, blatantly, stone-cold-faced. Now, my question and my rebuttal to that is, all right, so we're saying now that a 12- and 13-year-old has such direct, concrete, rational thought that they can come in and make their own decisions based on anything. Obviously, making decisions to start cutting off appendages and start going on hormone replacement therapy as a teenager, that is an enormous decision. Even as an adult, that is an enormous decision. In most cases, cannot be reversed. Okay, That's a big decision. Even if you're 20 years old and you want to do that, that's a big decision. 
So if that's the case and they're emulating this behavior because it's what they're watching, it is not natural. We've never seen a transgender pandemic of children except in the last four to five years that they've been peddling this perversion. If a child at 12 or 13 years old says, I identify as a police officer. I've watched numerous movies on police. I can go through police academy. I can pass the PT training because I'm extremely big for my age at 13, which I have seen 12 and 13, 14-year-olds that are very large for their age. And they go, I, I can do it. I can pass all the standards. I can pass all the PT. I can be a police officer. Are we now going to say that 12 and 13-year-olds are going to be able to hand a badge and a firearm to them? Or are we going to say, you guys can go out and protect and serve and go walk a beat? Absolutely not. We wouldn't do that. Why? Because 12 and 13-year-olds don't have the concrete rational thought under any circumstances to start going out and making decisions on that degree, period. There's a reason why it's 18 to buy certain compounds, 21 to drink certain compounds, 18 to get into certain establishments. Those laws were put into place from a very long time ago because they realized there's a certain age bracket that needs to be met before you start engaging in adult activity. This is the concept that they're trying to pervert and dilute, and in my opinion, they're doing it intentionally to try to bring in the pedophilia nature of it under the table and say, oh, well, by the way, since 12, 13 is the age of consent now to start having this type of surgery and hormone therapy replacement done, the age of sexual consent should be about 12 years old. So there's nothing wrong with a 12-year-old engaging with a 30-year-old because, you know, it's, it's totally natural as we see here. This is what they're going for on this, my friends. So when I hear them say this stuff and I watch them say this stuff and then the bumbling buffoon yesterday comes out and says, and I quote, racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, and transphobia, they are all connected. We have to protect these children and give them the loving care they need so they know they're loved. This man is probably one of the most insulting individuals I've ever seen in the White House. He's even more divisive than Barack, Barack uh, Hussein or you know, Obama was. I mean Barack Obama wasn't even this divisive with a lot of stuff he was saying. This bumbling buffoon who's got mashed potatoes for brain who only likes to eat pudding when he goes out everywhere and his ice cream can't even put together a sentence half the time unless he's got a teleprompter that's on 40 font right in front of him. He blatantly says racism anti-Semitism, homophobia, and transphobia are all connected, end quote. So he's saying now in this discussion that he had in this statement is that if you don't go along with gender-affirming care, i.e. childhood mutilation and sexual grooming of children by pedophiles and transgender individuals, you are not only transphobic, you're a racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic bigot is what he's implying here. Now, how all those go together, I'm not sure. But it's ironic to me, isn't it, how anti-Semitism keeps getting thrown into the mix, how racism keeps getting thrown into the mix. Now it's transphobic is thrown into the mix. So now if you don't want your children to be indoctrinated by grown men in lingerie exposing themselves to these little children at library story hour, you're essentially a racist, anti-Semitic, transgender, transphobic, homophobic bigot. Blatantly, that's what he's saying to the United States of America now. The fall of this country has happened so fast in the last couple of years, it's hard for me to even keep up with it. And this is why now you have heard me ranting about this for the last three to four years, 
because I knew this was going to start happening. I've said it from the very beginning this is going to start happening. They're going to start reaching a point now where they say anything you disagree with with us is now going to be hate speech. That's where it's going. That's why they just passed this Disrespect of Marriage Act is what I call it, where they're now going to allow these homosexual marriage couples that want to get married to go into churches, and essentially they're going to be able to set up federal lawsuits against these churches now. That's where you can look at it. I talked about it at the beginning of the week. They're setting it up for this blatantly, but yet everybody's sitting around, and the pastors are sitting around, and the Christians are sitting around. You bring this topic up, and everybody goes, well, I don't want to get on that topic. I don't want to talk politics. My friends, this isn't politics. This is the very future of our nation. This is the very future of our country and our children. Our children, if any, the country, whatever, countries burn and go and come and pass. But what about our children and their souls? That's the most important aspect of all of it, right? Protecting them, making sure they're raised up in the way they should go. And this, my friends, is not the way they should go. This perversion, these individuals like Jesse Pocock, this sicko, weirdo, whatever she is on her back, her her back private lifestyle, I can tell you right now it's something weird. I mean, and you see a lot of these people that have come out and stuff starts ousting them and they start getting in trouble. I mean, look at this this CNN producer, John Griffin. This guy now has pleaded guilty to child molestation and basically sexual engagement with a minor, nine-year-old minor. This is just John Griffin. He was a CNN producer. I mean, shoulder to shoulder with Kumo and all those guys on CNN. Granted, I've never had any respect for CNN, but when I said CNN was a communist news network and it was all propaganda, I think it's pretty clear when you had the CNN producer was a known blatant pedophile exposed in pedophilia behavior. And that's just the stuff he's gotten busted for. I mean, brings a nine-year-old girl and her mom, flies them down and takes them to his house and basically has sexual activities with this nine-year-old girl. I mean, it, multiple other cases that have come about now, and he's pleaded guilty to it. I, mean, I, I hope they put him in prison for life, even though we know they won't. He'll probably get a year, two years, he'll be out on parole. Guarantee you, they'll do some sweetheart deal, and he'll spend it in some, you know, blue, some white collar, some white collar prison. But I mean, this kind of stuff right here, you want to, you want to stop the pedophilia, you want to stop the perversion, just get the electric chair, or get basically a lethal injection. That's my opinion. Guys that prey on young children, there's no redeeming value to them because in my opinion, in most cases, unless they have a true reformation with Christ Almighty, there's no redeeming value to them because most of them, if they don't actually repent and they don't come back to Christ and ask for forgiveness of what they've done and truly change, they're going to do it again. They're sexual predators. That's what they do. There are things out there, there are people out there that are so sick they are willing to do things to other people that are detestable to most individuals. That's why I've told you before. It is so important you continue to actively train that you know you can handle yourself in a situation with your family. When you go out in public, you know how to handle yourself. You look at certain entry points and exit points, and I don't mean walking around being a weirdo. I'm talking around being whoa, bug-eyed, acting like a nut job, but there's a video that just came out. If you guys saw this, this is over here in Houston, and it was actually quite disturbing where two masked men walked into the Blue Fish, a Japanese eatery in Texas' largest city over in Houston, and basically pulled out pistols and robbed the whole store. Went off with like $3,000 in cash, and there's a dad there with two kids, two young boys, and you know I 
saw the video and it was very disturbing to me to see how it went down and they made everybody get on the floor and everything else before they leave on the restaurant. I mean, restaurant floor, I mean, come on, it's nasty. I used to work in a restaurant for a year and a half. The floors are nasty. You got to mop them every single night. And this is like a sushi restaurant on top of that. But that being said, they didn't know what to do. Everybody's put their hands up, whole restaurant counted down to two guys with guns. And, you know, one thing that I've always learned from a lot of the guys that I've trained with, especially one of my real good buddies, Jeff Cotto, who's a retired army ranger, is that you always, 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 when you go to a restaurant, if you have the ability to do so, you keep a visible aspect on all entry points of the restaurant, meaning you probably need to be sitting at the back of the restaurant with your back against the wall because you need to have a vantage point if somebody walks in. If you're at the first door or the first table at the door and your back's against the door, somebody walks in, they have about tenth of a second to sucker punch you with a billy club, and you have no idea what even happened. You have no, no time at all. And it's funny because dad and I, whenever we go, I'm the same way. I go with Lana somewhere. I'll always, if I can, I'll ask to have a seat towards the back of the restaurant, especially when I'm with the kids. And I'll always have, tell Lana, I said, I always, I always like to sit facing an entry point, the main entry point. And majority of robberies, if you've watched videos or done any research on it, majority of robberies that occur, they don't come in exit doors. They don't come in through the, the, the kitchen, so to speak, or so with a restaurant like this. They usually come in the fastest, easiest entry and exit point, which is usually the front entryway because they're not there to hang out. They're not there to get a drink at the bar and hang out, talk to everybody. They're nervous. They're robbing everybody at gunpoint. They're committing multiple forcible felonies. They're nervous too. They're going in there to steal stuff at gunpoint. They want to get in and out as fast as they possibly can. That being said, you have to go through scenarios with your family and in your own head and in your own training, actively do it on how you handle a situation like that. The first priority, if you're with your family, is to make sure under 100% circumstance they're covered, whether that's flipping a table, whether that's getting them around a corner, whether that's drawing fire away and making sure that you are not getting your family having fire drawn toward them. Then you have to think about the restaurant occupants. Who's in the restaurant? Who's who basically is sitting down? Who's going to jump up? Who's going to run around? How busy it's going to be at once once rounds start flying down range? All those scenarios need to be trained through and talked through and debriefed once you're done with it to understand what's going to happen. Because I'm telling you right now, you can watch this. And by the way, don't think that you just stay away from you know some seedy restaurant at nine o'clock on a Friday night is going to be you know something that's the best thing to do. Which I mean, that's probably a good thing to do. This was three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. At the, one of Jap, one of the largest Japanese eateries in Houston, Texas. Just, just throw that out there real quick. At three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, my friends, that's right after church gets out. That's post-church lunch. This wasn't nine or ten p.m. on a Friday night when everybody's in there and there's a bunch of people drinking and partying and hanging out. This was Sunday afternoon and broad daylight. That's how brazen criminals are starting to get with this stuff, and it's not going to stop. As the inflationary rate goes up, as things become harder to acquire, as food becomes more difficult to buy, especially for people that are criminals and do not work because they do not want to work because it's easier to try to rob, steal, kill, and destroy than it is to actually get a job, these individuals are going to become more brazen, and they're going to hit targets that they know that are softer. And quite frankly, Sunday afternoon right after church, they probably figured there wasn't going to be a lot of resistance in there, and sure enough, there wasn't. Now, would it have been better if somebody would have drawn a firearm and had a gunfight in the restaurant? I don't know. There could have been somebody that got shot, including good people that got shot. So there's always scenarios you have to factor in at every place you're at. One of those being sure and making sure the primary goals, if with your, with your family, they are protected first, first and foremost. 
It does not mean you need to go in there and try to be Rambo the hero as soon as something happens. If you need to defend yourself and your family and others, then that's the point you step in. But they are your primary target. Your family is. They are – you are their security detail. And so that's just something I wanted to throw out there because I saw this video, and it was very sad to see it. These kids, these young boys, you know, haven't held at gunpoint, and the dad and everything is doing nothing. But, you know, a lot of people panic. If you've not been in a situation where you have people at a table, we we train like this, we'll have a table, and there'll be two or three of us at it, and there's a threat, and we've done this with simunition, and you flip a table, and basically you engage a target with simunition force, it's a different story. I mean, I'm not, even though you know it's training, and you know it's simunition, and you know you're not going to die, it's just going to hurt really bad when you get hit, it throws your blood pressure through the roof. When you get done, your hands are shaking. You're looking at it going, wow, this, that, that was rough. That hurt. I mean, I got hit. When I did simulation training, I got hit multiple times. Most of the shots were not lethal. They were usually in my hip or my hand or my arm. But that being said, you get in those situations, you start figuring out how you're going to respond when you start having people jump out of doors and jump out of buildings or jump out of, you know, around corners. The same thing can be done with home invasion training, which we've done with simulation. I encourage everybody to get that type of training if you have the ability to do so. There's a lot of tactical groups all around the country in most states now, especially free states, that give that type of very aggressive training that will show you what it's like to go into a shoot house with Glocks, with simunition Glocks, under supervised law enforcement training or other types of military training and show you this is what happens when you're going through your house and you know it's been broken into. This is what's going to happen when you know somebody's in your house and you're waiting to shoot if they shoot back at you. You know, this stuff you got to look at. And so I just encourage people, this is part of being an American patriot. This is part of being a supporter of your family and a protector of your family at all times. And of course, if you can, Get your wife or spouse involved in it as well because there's nothing better than having a two-person you know, two fire team together if your wife is proficient with a handgun and she knows what to do, at least covering you at the very least. You know, Being able to stand behind you with a firearm and know how to handle it properly if you got to change a mag and she can provide cover fire. Those are just simple things, and I don't know where how I got on this rabbit trail with this. But when I saw that video today with that dad and those two kids, it was very disturbing to me, and I just wanted to encourage people, make sure – You understand this is not going to become better right now in this country, especially in these really big cities. It's going to get more aggressive. Just be aware of it. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting. Health and Human Services in the state of Washington, Washington State, as if they're not out of money enough and there's not enough crime and issues, the Health and Human Services and Treasury Department has now given their permission to expand health insurance in the state of Washington to (laughs) non-citizens. The department approved the state's request via a state innovative waiver. The request was made by the Washington government and is issued under Section 1332 of the Affordable Care Act. It says they request a waiver to expand access to qualified plans, standalone qualified dental plans, and affordability programs to residents regardless of immigration status. Now, what this means is all illegals now can apply. You can be a complete illegal legal immigrant, not even legal at all in the United States, and Washington State is going to give you free dental, free overall health care under the Affordable Care Act, essentially. I guess somehow they're going to try to pay for it. I don't know how this is going to occur. I guess they're just going to start raising premiums higher on everybody else that actually does pay, typical communism. But it's insulting to me because I've told you guys before I dropped my insurance a long time ago, and I've been looking more at the uh, Christian health plans that they have now because we had Humana for a while while Lana was pregnant. 
and they continue to jack our rates up until finally at the end where I had Hunter and Kendall and Lan and I, and we're on our final phase of the insurance. And we now we were then up to thirteen hundred dollars a month in a premiums where they jacked it up from they jacked up like four hundred dollars a month from like nine hundred to thirteen hundred with a six thousand dollar deductible. And I told Lan, I said, I'm done. I'm bowing out. We've had the kids now. You're extremely healthy. There's no issues because I wanted to make sure that we had them in a midwife. If something occurred and there was an emergency and we had to go to the hospital, that she'd be covered. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll fork out the cash while she's pregnant. But when they jumped it up to that over $15,000 a year, I immediately called them up. I said, you can cancel my plan. I said, this isn't financially feasible. I said, I'm going to pay $15,600 a year is what I'm going to pay in premiums. My deductible is $6,000. So unless I have something that occurs that's over $20,000, the ROI on this is absolutely horrific. It's got to be well over $20,000 for this to even be justifiable because I'm going to spend with the deductible and with the premiums twenty grand once something happens. I said, so it's going to have to be like a $40,000, $50,000 occurrence. I said, because, or I can drop it. I can save money in my own savings account and put it in a money market or put it in some other market that has some interest rate to it and throw in a few hundred dollars a month. And suddenly, oh, wow, I've got an extra account that has you know, a health care account that I've done. That's what I've done. I've got a backup health care savings account that I just throw money in every month, a little bit here, a little bit there. And if there's ever an emergency and we need it, that's what you do. And then you know, we have Advent Health, which is a seven-day Adventist hospital in Celebration, Florida. I have found them out because I've gone to a lot of different hospitals, you know, and inquiring when I was looking through a lot of the stuff. And in most cases, if you don't have health insurance, they'll negotiate you down 75% right off the rip. I've done it multiple times. One time when Hunter got severely dehydrated, he got a stomach bug and was throwing up profusely. And I was like, okay, I don't want to risk this because obviously dehydration is a serious issue. We took him in. They actually put him on an IV. They gave him anti-nausea. They checked him. And the bill ended up being like 1500 bucks from the ER. We negotiated. We talked about it. I told them I didn't have health insurance. They said, okay, the bill is going to be like 500 bucks. Boom. Pay it. Done. Thank you so much for your service. You guys have been great. Go home. Hunter was great again. Well, you think about it. That's literally – that would have been like a little over a week and a half of my premium every single week and a half just to have them cover that. And the problem with it was it was a $6,000 deductible, meaning they wouldn't even have covered the cost of that ER visit, period. So I realized the insurance and the health insurance, if you can't show that you're basically in illegal or that you're not making any money and you're on welfare and you're just getting free money every month, the health insurance is a complete and total racket for anybody that actually works. It's designed to be a racket. That's the way it's designed to be. They make sure everybody that's healthy continues to pay enormous, egregious amounts of cash to support all the people on the bottom that are extremely sick that don't pay anything into it. Once I figured that out, I realized I didn't want to be a player in that game anymore. So I just decided to step out. And again, I'm not giving you any advice on health insurance. You got to make your own decision on that. But there's also other plans I've heard people talk about as far as the Christian share plans and stuff that have been effective. I don't know. I've heard I've heard good and bad about some of those things. So you make your own decision on it. Just want to throw that out there. Also, too, this is interesting. I saw a research that Nick Boiler had put together and a few other people had contributed to this, and this isn't really a research study. This is just statistical numbers that they've gathered out of the UK. And what's interesting about this, these are from the NRM statistics, and they looked at the NRM mortality, and that's non-respiratory mortality in the UK is what that stands for, non-respiratory mortality, NRM. 
What that means is it's deaths that weren't associated with respiratory mortality. So essentially any death that occurs that is from a health problem but it's not a respiratory problem, meaning it can't be from COVID. It can't be from something like that. Well, the numbers that they compiled from this, this is interesting. Normally it shows in the UK over each year there's about a one and a half to two percent to one percent change in typical varies as far as up and down on non-respiratory mortality. Sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down, but it's usually not more than about one, one and a half percent deviation. Well, it's interesting. In 2021, it went up 3.72% in non-respiratory mortality in the UK. 2022 now, the numbers that they are starting to compile together statistically, it's not even over yet, they're showing that it's going to be a 10% increase in non-respiratory mortality over just 2021 that was already up 3.7%, meaning the deaths from people that are dying that are not respiratory related are going through the roof. This has been the same thing we've heard now over in Germany where they've talked about the millions of insured are showing sudden unexpected deaths with exploding in Germany. There was a uh, research from the Association of the Statutory Health Insurance Physicians showed 72 million who were insured, and it showed that the number had more than doubled since the vaccine was introduced, jumping from around 6,000 per quarter to around 14,000 deaths per quarter which is enormous. I mean, that is a huge, huge spike when you're looking at the numbers on that. And what's interesting about this is as you continue to see this occur and the numbers keep going up and the VAERS keep going up and the data keeps going up, everybody keeps pretending that this is just normal, that nothing to see here. We're just going to keep acting like this is okay. We're just going to pretend that this is going to happen to go away. And, you know, I saw an article on Health Impact News, and I, I couldn't argue with it, and it said, why hasn't Governor DeSantis stopped the COVID vaccines in Florida when we've admitted now with the Florida Surgeon General that they're killing people? You know, the research that came out not too long ago that Joseph Labdapo, the Surgeon General of Florida, came out and said, we're starting a program studying people who died from myocarditis. And they looked at the research, remember? And they showed that it was like an 80% increase in mortality, 84% increase in relative incident of cardiac-related deaths among males 18 through 39 within 28 days of the mRNA vaccination. This was the Surgeon General of Florida's own research they reported. It blatantly saying, we're recommending you do not get the shot if you're in this age group as an adult. Now, the problem that I have with this is that they've been talking about this now for the last couple months. Now DeSantis is saying we're going to bring forward a you know a grand jury to start bringing subpoenas in for people that are essentially going in and uh, doing all this stuff. But then my next question is this. Why hasn't DeSantis halted it? And good question because there's actually a doctor now that has written a letter. It was actually a very interesting letter. I was reading it earlier, and it was saying in general – basically it was a letter to, to DeSantis and it was asking him – why in the world have we not stopped this yet? Obviously, there's a problem here. Obviously, we know there's an issue going on. And so why aren't we going in and halting these vaccines for the time being? Why aren't we going in and banning the jab? And this is the article from Dr. – let me see where it was here. It was from Dr. Joseph Samson, Ph.D., and he said, you must act decisively and prohibit COVID gene therapy shots and mRNA injections in the state of Florida. 
He's talking to Dear Governor DeSantis and Surgeon General Dr. Ladapo. The clinical data from February 28 of 2021 appears to have now demonstrated that COVID shots were both ineffective at stopping transmission while at the same time posing a risk to those receiving the shots. Pfizer's data revealed that the ingredients of the shot can be transmitted via respiratory and skin contact and even pose a risk to pregnant women. And he goes to talk about the adverse cases, 42,000 adverse events, 158,000 adverse events, all these different deaths. And he says the study claims that deaths are not due to COVID shots, but time has certainly increased suspicion on the validity of that claim. You look at birth rates are down, miscarriages are up. Research shows that COVID gene therapy shots may also alter human DNA. The obvious deaths may be reported, but those dying of diseases that may be attributed to spike proteins from the shots are not being considered as potential COVID shot deaths. And it goes on to say further here, all cause mortality continue to rise, increasing. There appears to be a correlation between vaccine and a massive increase in the cause of mortality. So physicians from around the world have been warning that cancer, heart attacks, strokes, autoimmune disease, neurological disorders are resulting from this shot. And a recent peer-reviewed article of an autopsy demonstrated brain and heart damage caused by the COVID-19 shot. Embalmers are reporting blood clots that have never been seen before. World-renowned physicians are reporting these blood clots appear semi-synthetic almost like a ropey sponge, and that the COVID vaccination program was derived from DARPA from 2011. You must begin a longitudinal study examining the health outcomes of the vaccinated and unvaccinated matching groups by age and sex. This study must monitor all causes of mortality and various diseases such as cancer, heart attacks, strokes, neurological disorders, autoimmune diseases, and so on. And this letter continues to go on. I'm posting on the website. You can read the whole thing. So it's taking the whole show to read it. But essentially what he says at the very end, respectfully, Floridians deserve immediate action. Start by hosting a roundtable of experts and employ you to do everything humanly possible to protect the public from these shots. And he's calling that these shots be halted immediately, that we stop now, period, done. No more shots. We're done with this until we can figure this out. And it's ironic to me because I've brought this up repeatedly because I really wish DeSantis would do this. And he's saying, well, we're going to bring a grand jury and we're going to do this. Well, what happens to the people that are still continually getting the shots and they think this thing's safe and healthy when it's not? There's enough evidence now. There's enough data over the last two years to prove not only are these shots not working, they're causing side effects. People can say, well, they're not causing this many people to die. That could be from side effects from actually catching COVID over the years, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine if that's what you think. But why don't we stop these shots and halt them until we do more research? Isn't it funny how I've said this before? You'll have a food compound from a company that may have somehow been contaminated with something at some point. Oh, this batch may have been contaminated with salmonella. Okay, salmonella is really dangerous. People can die from it. They get sick, sick, sick from it. Well, all the batches surrounding it and before and after, everything has to be recalled. We have to recall 10,000 tons of metric, you know, 10,000 pounds of beef now. Okay, because there's a chance that there may have been a contamination at some point. Oh, remember the one that I talked about the other day? Oh, there's reporting that there's a, a glaze or a sheen on some of the beef that was basically processed. And so now we're calling another 6,000 pounds of beef, ground beef. Oh, the, you know, Kraft had some, you know, meatloaf. May have been contaminated from a blade that was cutting that wasn't fully cleaned after the last batch. The entire batch has to be disposed of. Recall all of it. It's funny how the, the FDA, or not the FDA, the USDA will come in and recall stuff on a whim if there's one single report. It doesn't matter if it's millions of dollars of food and thousands of pounds of meat, tens of thousands, tons of meat. They'll recall it in a heartbeat and dispose of it because at some point, at some time, there could have been something that happened to it. But yeah, we have shots now that there's blatant research showing 
These things are extremely detrimental, and not only that, they do not work. They are not working. They are not protecting anybody. The research is very clear and concise that people that are getting the shot are getting sicker than people that are not getting the shot. You're seeing that the mortality rate of people that are getting the shot is higher than those who have not gotten the shot, and yet still, still we're not talking about microdosing vitamin C throughout the day and keeping blood levels of vitamin C throughout the whole day. 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams, three to four to five to six times a day, depending on bowel tolerance and taking it with food so it digests easier, like the excellency that I have. Nobody's talking about doing that. I've done it for years now, and I have numerous dozens of customers that have done it that literally don't get sick. I mean I'm, I was around somebody the other day last week with the flu. I mean flu. They were getting sick from the flu. I mean coughing and hacking. I was right around them. And then I didn't know they had the flu. Time the next day, they're like, man, I got the flu. Dude. I don't feel good. I'm not going to be able to go. We'll do what we were doing. And I was like, okay. So I hammered some more C, took some more D. I actually took some of the astragalus we had. So I had a bottle of the house. He's astragalus. I tell you, you don't need it all the time, but it's good backup. And I was healthy. I actually felt a little tired the next day, which was odd. But then the day after that, I felt great again. I was a little tired. I had to go to bed early, took some vitamins, just real, real tired. And that was probably my body fighting some order to stay protected is a 100% certain fallacy. There is no rationale. There is no research that has shown us whatsoever the only way to protect ourselves against COVID. The only way is by getting gene RNA, RNA gene therapy, period. There's none. There's not one single bit of research that can even try to prove that. Even f- completely and totally fabricated information from Pfizer can't even try to prove that because it's not true. It's a complete and total joke. This is why I really hope DeSantis gets on this now immediately because these RNA shots, they've already said now, Fauci's talked about it, Bill Gates has talked about it blatantly. These RNA gene therapy shots, this technology, they want to roll it into the flu shot. They want to roll it into the MR, they want to roll into the MMR shot, excuse me, measles, mumps, rubella shot. They want to start rolling into everything. Now you got to think about it for a second. If they've been rolling these shots out, these childhood vaccines, for decades and decades, and they say they're completely safe and effective, even though we know that's also a lie, and they work so great, and the shots get, the kids get the shots and it works so good, but suddenly oh, we have this new RNA technology that we've had around for like you know two or three years. Um, that's when we need, we need to make all the shots now RNA therapy because it works so great, even though the COVID shot is an epic failure. That is, again – Another way you can tell they're bold-faced lying to us. The RNA shot does something to people. There's no doubt about it. It alters your DNA. They've seen it where it stores in the tissue, the liver, and everything else. It changes you. Now, to what extent with how many shots, nobody really knows yet except probably DARPA. So, again, this is why it is so important. People get the truth out there the best they possibly can because there's no question about it. They're going to keep pushing this because it is making enormous enormous amounts of money right now. I mean, more money than you can even fathom. I'm looking at some of these reports with Pfizer and stuff. I mean, tens of billions of dollars each quarter from this Pfizer shot because the government just keeps handing them money to keep producing shots. So it's really important. We forward these articles, we forward this research, and we continue to get the truth out there the best we possibly can. Also, too, in other news, this is something just kind of tying a a different direction, but bringing this up because a lot of people are traveling. TSA now wants to start scanning your face as security. Here's what you need to know, essentially. The 16 major domestic airports are now testing facial recognition tech to verify IDs. This means when you walk up to TSA, now you know I always have to hand them your ID. They basically check your ID, make sure you're who you are, and then you go through TSA, which is kind of arbitrary because you're 
already have a pass that you've gotten through, but I guess that's just what they have to do. They have to check your driver's license. Well, now they're saying they want to take the human aspect out of it, and they want to scan your entire face. And you put your driver's license in, you search your driver's license, they scan your face, it processes it faster somehow with more accuracy, and then you go on your way. Now, of course, right now, it's completely and totally uh, optional. And they're saying that they're not planning on making it mandatory whatsoever. Now, I can tell you this right now. You will never see me fly in an airport if I have to scan my face. I will be done flying. I will ride a bicycle if I have to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll drive. That's where I drive most of the time anyways. I don't like flying. But if I have to fly, I fly still right now. And I got TSA pre-check a long time ago. They simply do fingerprints, which I'm already fingerprinting because I'm in database with concealed carry permit, a lot of firearm stuff that I've done. So I already have fingerprints on files. I don't really care about that. But when you start having to scan your face, your facial recognition, here's the problem. So your fingerprints, your, your, your fingertips, your fingerprints, those are covered on a normal basis. Normally, when it's cold outside, you wear gloves. If not, you're in your pocket. If not, you're, you hold on to a backpack or luggage. It's impossible to track people by fingerprints as far as while they're walking out and about. It doesn't work. It's physically impossible. However, facial recognition platforms are becoming much more advanced. That's why I'm funny about photos as far as when I go places when they still want to start doing that. I'm like, no, I'm not. We're not doing this. I've been in airport stuff where they say, oh, we have optional get through this with facial recognition or with a clear thing it's called. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting my face in a database because now I'm giving you consent to put it in a database. I'm giving you consent to track and monitor me everywhere I go. The facial recognition software that they have is so advanced right now. They can monitor you all around everywhere. I've told you before, it's not that they don't have it. I'm on facial recognition with Disney. They already told me that the last time that they ejected me from the park and were going to trespass warn me because I was carrying a firearm in uh, Disney Springs. It wasn't even an actual park. It was Disney Springs. The seven cops showed up and surrounded me with a dog. I told you guys about that story. But the contractor, the law enforcement told me that I had to leave the property immediately. And I said, I'm not in a Disney theme park. It doesn't matter. You're on Disney property. No firearms are allowed, period. And I said, okay. They said, the dog alerted that you're carrying a firearm. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? They said, you got to put your firearm back in your vehicle. I said, that ain't going to happen. And I remember I had the one sheriff start walking behind me. And I looked at him. I said, dude, I'm here with my family and my two kids. I said, there's seven of y'all. So why are you flanking me? Why are you, why are you getting a defensive position? I'm not doing anything. I said, I'm sitting here talking to you guys. So you have to leave the part now. We're escorting you out. And they had a security contractor escort me and the family completely out of Disney Springs to our vehicle. Never step foot on that property again. Never will. As far as I'm concerned, that property is in the rear end of my, my life. I will never step foot on it, nor will I ever be treated like that again and support a company. That being said, he told me when I was on my way out, they flagged me and I was walking in on facial recognition because I've already had issues there with them before. Once you start realizing what the facial recognition does, they have to continually update it to make it accurate. This is why you constantly see on social media these new trends that come out. Oh, we're going to make a cartoon picture of your face. Oh, we're going to make it look like what your face looks like in 10 or 20 years. Oh, we're going to do a 10 to 20 year or a 10 to year, 10 to current year now comparison and do all this stuff. And people upload their photos knowingly and accurately, I mean, close-up photos, real, true facial photos right on social media to have them transferred and done or in these apps or on uh, TikTok or on the, what's the other one, Snapchat, and they'll go and do it. Guys, all that information is being done to continually keep updating on your face, continually keep updating on your basically your system. It's funny because every time that I've had to give my ID to like law enforcement or anything that's occurred, they always stare at it for a minute because I got an extension one time on my driver's license as far as for a photo, and they approved it. And now my driver's license is good until 2026. My photo is from 
when I turned 21. And they requested basically I get a, a true ID, a real ID. My driver's license is like 15 years old. I don't know how I got it extended again. They sent me another one like four or five years ago, but it's the same thing. Now all the new ones, they have these chips in them. The real IDs, I don't have it. They've told me there's going to be an issue with me flying next year in 2023 if I don't upgrade to the real ID driver's license. I told them we'll cross that bridge when we get there because I'm not going to get a real ID as long as I can. Now, of course, I can push and I can push and I can do what I can. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to decide whether or not I want to comply with these guys in the next couple of years. And my answer is probably no. I'll decide to go different routes of travel and means. That's why I'm so adamant about being able to travel freely unmolested on your way with vehicles and having vehicles that are reliable that aren't electric and aren't monitored by you consistently with cameras facing you while you drive. That is such so egregious to me. But again, everybody's got to make their own line. Everybody's got to decide what they're going to go along with. Here's the problem. I may do this. Ted may do this. A bunch of my friends may do this. I may have other family and friends do this. But the issue is the vast majority of people have to be woken up and start realizing what's happening and have to start doing it. That's one of the reasons why I'm so vocal, and I encourage you guys to forward the show. If you can't forward the show, at least forward the articles that we put up in the show and send them to people. Because once people start waking up and they start resisting and pushing back, I've seen this personally, that algorithms push back and slow down because they realize there's not enough support for what they're trying to push. This has happened repeatedly. The same thing happens on social media with hashtags. The algorithms look at it and go, we have 48,000 hashtags of this topic. This topic is not trending favorably. The outcome percentage that this is going to go positive in our favor and the narrative that we want through the deep state or Twitter or Facebook is now at 12%. It's not going to work. And so what do you see them do? They'll pull back. Well, if everybody keeps doing that every time there's something, they pull back. That is why right now they're pushing so hard to normalize and justify pedophilia and transgender behavior among children. They're blatantly obvious what they're doing. They're trying to see how many people are going to support it, how many people are going to be silent about it, and how many people are going to resist it. And they hear the podcast, they have the recordings of the NSA, they, hear, they see the tweets, they see the hashtags, they see the responses, they see the comments. And the more that people push back and are vocal, the more they realize the algorithm is not supporting their narrative that they want. So they have to try to push harder or they have to take a step back. The further you can push them back and the further you can be breathing room, so to speak, the more we can wake more people up and it can make a difference. Because as far as I'm concerned, our children are one of the most valuable assets, and we have to protect them at any and all costs. That's at least my opinion, and I hope other people, a lot of other people feel the same, whether it's kids or grandkids or even friends of the family that you're close with. Continue to maintain the protection of these young children because it's pretty clear now. With what Biden said the other day, I mean insulting the entire country calling all of us anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic, transphobic bigots if we don't want to go along with gender mutilation surgery and with 12- and 13-year-olds. I mean you, you can't get much more insulting than that, guys. They're showing us their hand. They're letting us know what they're going to do next, and it's not going to be cool, and it's not going to be fun, and it's going to get a lot of us very, very angry. So again, I encourage you. Thank you for the support. If you guys need anything, thank you for supporting healthmasters.com, even if it's just by your toothpaste or your ultimate multiple. Always here to help you out the best we possibly can. Be sure to check out a lot of the different articles we still have up on the website. Ted brought up the other one, Aspartame, a Chronicle of Crime. Try, I'm going to get that up on the latest articles on the front page if you want to read that, considering the research that he brought up yesterday that's come out now. 
talking about how aspartame actually increases anxiety and can increase depression, which we've talked about before, but now we actually have true research coming out about it. And also, too, that it can cause that same behavior trait in your offspring. Very, very interesting study, meaning epigenetics, which he's talked about aspartame since the 80s. But again, this is why it's so important to look at what you eat the best you possibly can. Stay away from the artificial sweeteners. If you need to replace them, use monk fruit or use stevia. Those two are excellent options. Stevia can have a little bit of aftertaste. I get that. Monk fruit's a really great option. A really good option if you want to have something that tastes literally just like sugar is coconut sugar because it is kind of like sugar. But it's really, really, really clean, and it does not have the glycemic impact as white bleach sugar does. So great for baking options. We have that on the website as well. And so we continue to encourage people to make, you know, make yourselves at home as far as with this Christmas, eat clean, have fun. You, you can have some junk. I mean, it's up to you what you want to do, but make the cleanest junk. I guess you could put it that way. Use butter, use real sugar, use coconut sugar, stay away from the really, really heavy fat stuff and fried stuff. Eat the best you possibly can to take care of your family the best you possibly can and take care of your kids. You know, the other day, the kids, a bunch of their friends, they were over at the house. They made all these organic brownies and organic cookies. They came over and brought them, and I tried them. I was like, wow, that is a true butter homemade brownie, and it was delicious, and I let the kids have a bunch of them, and they were hyper off the wall, and I thought to myself, this is one of the reasons why so many parents freak out and want to put their kids on scheduled three controlled drugs or scheduled two controlled drugs, excuse me, like Adderall. Because they don't know what to do with their kids because they're eating so much sugar, they act dessert. But I sent the kids outside, and they ran around for like two hours, and they came in and passed out. And that's why you guys don't eat brownies on a regular basis. But they were good. I'm not going to lie. But on a, on a semi-regular basis or on occasion, nothing wrong with having a little bit of fun and having some yummy junk food. So I encourage you, do the best you possibly can. Continue to encourage one another. Continue to stay strong. Stay healthy. Get some exercise. I know right now a lot of places are cold right now up north they're starting to snow sometimes you got to train inside or get some exercise inside even if it's just doing some pull-ups on a bar in your door or doing push-ups and sit-ups jumping jacks whatever you got to do stay active keep your mind keep your body keep your soul strong y'all have a blessed safe awesome night i'll talk to you on the hagman show tonight if you guys tune into that on friday night enjoy your weekend have a great weekend and we'll be back on this show monday as always <laughs>